Professor Bryn Brown's research shows that vulnerability fosters good emotional and mental health. It is a sign of courage. We become more resilient and brave when we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. The Vulnerable Scientist Podcast is a space for scientists to tell their honest and authentic stories. I am your host, Saranya Kerry, who happens to be a scientist, informal science communicator, and I help scientists create personal websites. If you want to support this show, go to www.patreon.com slash thevulnerablescientist. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Pod. Electricity problems. Okay. Mm-hmm. Same here. It's <laughs> just gone now. Uh, I hope your your laptop has some juice left. Yeah, it does. Luckily. Okay. So so. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So um. I, so since I've lost some part of the recording, we have to go back a bit, a little bit. Okay. Uh, just to capture what you had said before. And uh, I think at that point you had already uh, talked about uh, your IPR, and you mm-hmm. you were talking about uh, how um, how it was going for a nature trail. Mm-hmm. Then I think I asked you after that, um, how was it like, you know, looking for an internship. And also, I think I asked you, like, internship in both um, Cambry and also in IPR. Mm-hmm. How, how, like, how would you advise someone who wants who wants to go into Cambry? And also, I think I asked you about um, if you, um, what is it? Ah, uh, okay, I'll remember. I'll remember. But it has something to do with you transitioning to do. Your yeah, you 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 are answering the question of what? How did you perform? How did you perform after your university education? Oh, when I talked about uh, getting my second class upper. Yeah, 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 and then now figuring out what I wanted to do after that. Yeah. Already in my in my heart in my head, mm. I had seen what my future would be like, and mm. it would involve a lot of going back to school and pursuing my masters and my PhD. So that was a given for me. Mm. But the thing that was missing was what masters do you want to do, what direction do you want to take your career in, and. Since that wasn't clear to me, that's when I decided to do now an extra internship just mm. to sort of go into the internship knowing already what I know from Camry and mm. where my passions are and trying to figure out how I can sort of instill the what I had learned and my passions mm. into my future career and how that links up to the masters that I plan to do. Mm. So that's when I joined IPR for close to a year before mm. I figured out that I wanted to do my master's in bioinformatics. Mm. Yeah, so I guess, should I answer the question about looking for internships? Yes. Okay. So um, it's never very easy looking mm. for internships and you have to be very in- intentional mm. in the direction you want to take it with. 
school in. So your focus should be what are your interests and this should be dictated by what did you find that triggered your or sparked your curiosity maybe in class. Let's say we're talking to an undergrad who hasn't really had much exposure. Mm. So you don't want to be very closed off in the direction you want your internship to go because this is sort of an explorative journey mm. where you want to see to get hands-on experience on different things. So you don't want to be very closed off, mm. but also your search should be very targeted in a way that uh, you're looking for a place that is very active mm. and a lot is going on because you don't want to go to a place where not much work is being done and at the end of the day, you've just shown up and then left mm. high and by. That's mm. not your intention. Mm. Your intention is to get some exposure and actually um, know where your interests are and if they're feasible, if it's something you actually see yourself doing. Because mm -hmm. thinking that you can do something the way I used to think that I can be a medical doctor and mm -hmm. actually doing it are very different things. So then uh, during your search for internship, um, it's going to be hectic and it won't be very easy mm -hmm. sometimes. But uh, one direction would be um to go through online searches and checking out all these different institutes that are out there and the things that are happening within these institutes usually their websites would have information or profiles on different work going on mm. or scientists that are in that institute and what their focus is on so sometimes aside from just uh, writing, having your CV and writing a cover letter and dropping it at the entrance of uh, a random research institute, it mm. actually gives you a better, um, a sort of oomph when you have more content or you've done more research yeah. in your work. Mm. So then you should ideally go through, okay, so this research institute de deals with malaria, mm. so which interesting scientist is there? Can is there a contact address there? Can I talk to them through email? Mm. Write them an email, tell them your interests or your intentions. And most often than not, they would be willing to bring in a student because actually, with scientists, I feel like mentorship is a key part of their responsibilities that they welcome. But this mm. is dependent on the supervisors I've mm -hmm. worked with they're yeah. often very open to mentoring students and mm -hmm. they're usually very impressed with students that take initiative mm -hmm. so it's not just about dropping your envelope at the gate and hoping that things go through from there although mm -hmm. that works but it's also being very intentional on I know I want to work with this person and see how they do what they do and mm -hmm. if it's something that I actually see myself doing in future so mm -hmm. then contact them and see if they'll respond. And um, in some cases also you have very um, specific dates of internship programs that are usually advertised. Mm -hmm. So students need to always be open to uh, always be searching for opportunities. Yeah. You cannot sit back and wait for opportunities to look for you. Mm -hmm. You have to be very active in the search. So always go to the websites, especially with Cambridge uh, Leafy. I know they usually have ads on maybe, um, what's it called? 
like after undergrad there's this diploma or an internship program they usually advertise at a certain time mm. and it would be something worth worth applying and usually it would lead up to uh other bigger opportunities because I know people who started at internship levels at certain research institutes but that has built up to maybe a master's and a PhD and just being a very um career wise a very gratifying opportunity mm-hmm. so and then sometimes students would go into internship expecting to get uh some sort of financial gratification out of it but mm-hmm. that shouldn't be the mindset because most of the internships sadly unfortunately mm-hmm. would actually be solely voluntary and you have to go in there knowing that you're going to be working for practically nothing and if you're lucky you'd be able to get some peanuts out of it but your main goal is to get this exposure so every time you wake up you just keep reciting it's all exposure is all you're going for and push yourself through that drive of getting exposure and knowing that this would help you to develop your career into something worthwhile mm. that would be gratifying to you so yeah some some institutes actually pay their interns and it's something good that I've seen coming up in several institutes and it's a good initiative mm. a motivational initiative mm. for young students so that they're not like so internship there's no money and then they stop uh having that drive to develop their career in research because yeah. they feel like it's not as gratifying as maybe starting up a business mm. so there's usually that small reward that some institutes of offer interns but you can't go into an internship with the the mindset of you're doing this for the money mm. you're actually just doing this for the exposure you had also yeah. mentioned something to do with how uh, rejection, like you early on in your first year, you had uh, tried. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. So y- you have to be very assertive and have a very thick skin uh-huh. because you won't always have you won't always get a yes from your first application. You have to keep going and keep going. So I had mentioned that I had tried this internship asking or applying for internships way earlier in my undergrad years Mm. from past year during the long holiday where you have to be at home for close to three months and you're thinking now I'm at home for three months there's nothing I can do it's not like after three months I have an exam you're starting a whole new year so you don't need to be cramming anything that you've learned from the previous year so it's a time for you to be productive so don't see it as a holiday but a time for internship so I had tried to apply for my internship at Kemri in my first year but I didn't get it uh, because they needed uh, someone who had been in class more, who knew a bit more theory mm. uh, before you start uh, working on the hands-on uh, bit of things, uh, or the practical bit of things. So I started quite early, and I think it's something that uh, people should go into plan aiming to do that, where once you start undergrad, any opportunity, any free time you have, you have yeah. to be doing it to work into how this free time is going to make you productive based on the career that you're choosing. Select mm-hmm. areas where 
your field of interest is in. So I tried my first year, I didn't get it. And also in my second year, I tried applying to Camry. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why my mindset was always on Camry. I guess mm-hmm. it's because it was always on the news. Something, something has mm-hmm. happened. Some research and there was something about Camry. So that was the first research institute that I knew of. So second year, I also applied and I still didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And third year, during the long holidays, that's when I finally got it. And it was out of... Yeah, I I have submitted my CV and my cover letter, but then also I've gone into now trying to find out what scientists are there and what work is being there, done there, mm-hmm. and how can I, how how can I be able to link up with the scientists and show them that I'm interested or I'm curious about the work that they're doing mm-hmm. and if they can let me in. So with my third year, that wasn't a formal internship. My Mm. formal internship was in my fourth year where you you get a letter from the university and it's actually mandatory for you to have this period of internship. So I got an extra sort of exposure aside from the formal one, which was really good because once I got, I went back for now the formal internship, Mm. I realized that some things that I was taught previously that Mm weren't being taught now mm-hmm. and also the additional things being taught during my fourth year that I hadn't learned in my previous year so oh okay that's, yeah. a, that's an interesting addition mm-hmm. also you also um, talked about um, how you, you got from an unpaid internship that your, your parents were supporting uh, and uh, IPR was also helping when it comes to transport when they're dropping people at CBD and also transitioning to a small stipend by where Mercy was very instrumental in that. Can you talk more about that? Oh, yeah, that's true. So um, after my graduation, when I joined IPR, mm-hmm. at first, like oh, I could said... Could you say what IPR inter- is, by the way? Oh, sorry. The, the Institute of Primate Research. Mm. So they solely work on... Um, primates, so their lab animals or their lab models are usually generally um, monkeys or baboons mm-hmm. and um, they do work on different tropical diseases and some neglected diseases and some of the diseases that affect like, wild animals. So when I joined IPR, immediately after um, my undergraduate, because I knew I wanted to do a master's, but I didn't know what the master's I wanted to do would be in. I ventured into wanting to get some more exposure. And um, that's how I landed in IPR. And I mentioned that getting into IPR, it, it was sort of a blessing or I was lucky because the time I was applying was the time when not a lot of students were applying. It mm-hmm. was an off-peak season mm-hmm. and uh, one scientist needed some help in the lab and I had had uh, this exposure at Camry where my CV is saying I have six months internship experience doing this and this and this at Camry. So I joined IPR that way mm-hmm. during an off-peak season and um, I was lucky enough to work with one specific scientist, Dr. Marcy Akini, mm. who was working on zoonotic diseases in baboons. Mm. So she had a lot of work going in. And that's why I was saying that it's very important when you're choosing a place to go to, mm. you want to go to a very active lab. 
mm-hmm. that you're constantly working, you're constantly pushing yourself, you're not going and just sitting there. Mm-hmm. So with Dr. Mathy, she was just starting off this project, this really interesting project on baboons, and she had a couple of experiments that she needed to do, and I think she was doing her PhD at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, once I joined, she took me in, and for the past couple of months, um, and actually, I'm very grateful that it ended up being some sort of argument where she was giving me some stipend. Mm-hmm. But the first few months, mm-hmm. we weren't getting, um, I wasn't getting any sort of financial um, assistance. Mm-hmm. But what's very good about IPI is that because it's in the outskirts of town, mm-hmm. it's a bit far in Gong, they have this bus. Or transport system where you get picked from the CBD mm. and you're taken to IPR and then in the evening they drop you off at the CBD. So that helped with the transport logistics because then it would have been really expensive. Mm. And during that time, uh, having very supportive parents, they were able to, um, they were they were patient enough to help me venture into this um, internship. Mm. knowing that I wasn't going to get anything and it wasn't very sustainable but the focus was the skills that I'm getting from it and what it meant for my career Mm. uh, otherwise so then um, after a few months once I had picked up most of the skills that were needed for Dr. Massey's project and once she was confident that I was able to work independently Mm. that's when uh, she then gave me more responsibilities and now I was, I would spend like whole days just working on samples, doing experiments and trying to see how they come out. And from there then she saw that I, she would, she could give me some sort of small stipend to take mm-hmm. me through, um, the day by day expenses and that what was enough for me and I think I was very grateful for that. It wasn't something that I expected. It wasn't mm. something that I mm. intended to get. Mm. It was something that she so fit to mm. uh, offer me. And I was actually very surprised. And it doesn't matter how much it was. Just the fact that mm. so, uh, she so, was able to, yeah. you know, see that. Be that, I don't know. I think it was a bit motivational, a bit, mm. you know, you give, you're given that push and you're like, okay, I'm doing this experiment. Mm. Apparently I'm good at it. Mm. So she needs, you know, um, so that's how it was. Shout but also that. I mentioned how, just how supportive she was, Dr. Mm. Massey was, mm. uh, like the first few months when I wasn't getting anything and, I wouldn't be carrying lunch and mm. she would offer her lunch to me mm. and share it with me. Mm. That was very, very thoughtful of her. Mm. And, you know, it's the little things that really stick with me. Like yeah. that small apple that she offered me mm. when I was working in the lab. Mm. You know, they push you to work better. Mm. You to push, push, push. And also, aside from that... um you. I had mentioned oh. about your getting to your masters. Yeah, getting into my masters, trying mm-hmm. to figure out the masters that I want to do. Mm-hmm. That was from the experience that I got from IPR. Mm-hmm. Already, I had gotten the exposure to lab work, what all of that entails, mm-hmm. and I just needed to figure out uh, the 
what what masters I wanted to do from everything that I had uh from all the experience or the exposure that that I had gotten. Mm. And also Dr. Masi is one of the people that aside from my family, she's one of the people that also pushed me to go for my masters. Mm. Um, and it was very selfless of her because mm. by the time that she was pushing me to go for my masters, I had already gotten so much um skills or exposure from her and the experiments that I was doing was they were running very smoothly, mm-hmm. but they weren't done yet. Mm-hmm. And she still needed me. It's not that she didn't need yeah. me, but she felt like she needed to let me go mm-hmm. for me to grow. And yeah. I, uh, that that was a wonderful aspect of our relationship. That yeah. God fixed with me. I love also, that. Yeah. <laughs> That's so selfless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we I'd sit with her and we'd talk and she'd talk about what she did for because she was she's actually a vet doctor and mm. she'd talk about her PhD and she'd give me all these um opportunities and advice and just give me the you know the push or just showing me how important it is to like keep going and mm. her selflessness when it came to now let me go mm. that was that was really good and I had forgotten to mention that and also when it comes to growing in research mm. the, the the fact that she allowed me to be able to so I wasn't just going into the lab doing things and handing her results it yeah. was always a sort of conversation mm-hmm. where we are talking about so we are trying to see if uh, this zoonotic disease causes suppresses immunity in monkeys but we've been trying to test it like this and the results are like this what do you think this means so she gave me room to you know mm-hmm. analyze the results and mm-hmm give my conclusions based on it mm. and just giving someone that opportunity. It's not because she doesn't know what the results mean. She mm. wants to push me to think mm. scientifically yeah. so that I know that science does not just involve going into the lab and leaving, going into the lab and leaving. It involves actively thinking about the things you're doing, setting yeah. out knowing the objectives that you're you 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 set for the day and what results are saying based on the experiments that you set up. Like that's very instrumental, like to grow a scientist, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Then, and at at first, you know, once you just a student out of um university and you haven't had that exposure, like scientific thinking, mm-hmm. it's a bit. It's a lot of pressure, not a bit of pressure, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. being put on the spot, you're like, oh, so now I'm supposed to be thinking scientifically. Mm-hmm. But then it's good exposure being mm-hmm. thrown into the waters, mm-hmm. knowing that this is a big aspect of science that you need to constantly be thinking about. You're not there to work as a machine. You're not a robot. Mm-hmm. You're active thinking. That's very key. Then uh, you had also mentioned about what your other classmates did when you're looking for internships, just for someone to think about that too. Oh, yeah. So um, when it comes to internships, there were several different uh, places that my classmates, my classmates went to. Mm-hmm. And this, is, this was, I think it was pushed by the opportunities that were available at the time mm-hmm. because it was... <laughs> 
at that point it was mandatory for people to go for internships mm. but also people are driven by they knew what what they wanted to do mm. and they 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 targeted specific institutes because they knew these institutes worked on specific um areas of research that they were interested in. So aside from Camry, mm. we had some students that went into clinical research mm. and they went to Kenyatta Hospital mm. to work in the lab. Mm. Uh, some went to Kevivapi, I think that's about the same institute. We had some going to agricultural research institutes like Calro. We had some going to Ilri. Mm -hmm. Some went to, um, actually, some actually also went into uh, labs in the university, aside Mm -hmm. from Kenyatta Hospital. And some went to Keb. You know, there's some people Mm -hmm. who are. Actually, when it comes to career-wise, they want to go into industry, yeah. not academia or not research. So yeah. some of them, some of my classmates were able to get attachments at CAM. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a very interesting and diverse group of um, students yeah. going to different places. Okay. Um, then yeah. So the, the the opportunities are there, and the research institutes are also also quite a number. You just need to for undergrad seeking for internships. You just need to be very intentional in your search. Mm. Yeah, and also reach out apart from mm-hmm. just applying. And also reach out. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you are, you had also mentioned. Um, the women's influence like you're coming from a school where you're just two out of and we we talked about the two percent two percent is it two percent or one percent i don't know um of you um or is it one percent i think it's one percent two out of 18 one point something yeah so um you also mentioned that you coming from you're just two women in class, then coming mm-hmm. to this space where you're seeing the main uh women uh the main people are women. You had also mentioned like in Camry, like the main women were women at the same time. Mm-hmm. Also, now this is uh in IPR and the you know we when you're interacting people you're interacting with who are up there also women. And you also yeah. mentioned, uh, I think you had already talked about your masters and how someone like Rosaline, who also also a woman in that, like, could you talk about more about that? Like the women, even you talked even talked about your mother. Can you just talk about um, that? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So coming from a class of very few ladies, and also I forgot to mention that ninety nine percent of our lecturers were actually, uh. Men, Men. Uh-huh. yeah. So we, it was a lot of. You're not getting um any female figures in uh-huh. school. So uh-huh. coming out of that, you're not sure what you're going to see in the field. Uh-huh. But um, I was able to get um to link up or get exposure or trained by very um very uh strong female figures. Mm. Starting up from Camry, where I met Dr. Damaris Matoke and Mrs. Lucy. Mm. I've been raving about them so much, but 
those two were very instrumental into now driving my passion and knowing that oh so this isn't just a field for guys guys are not overwhelming us we also have that power and drive to actually uh be able to come up despite the challenges and the setbacks that we get we got so coming from a school where we weren't so many ladies and then meeting this very assertive very strong-willed and empowered women that just constantly inspire you and when you're looking at them you you're looking up to them and you're like this is the kind of person i want to be mm-hmm. uh, so that interaction is very inspiring and i was lucky enough to come from now camry being um mentored by Dr. Damaris and Mrs. Lucy and Dr. Milka and then coming to IPR mm. and now working under someone who was very key in my path to starting my masters mm. and who's also a lady and then meeting other ladies also in the tropical infectious diseases department mm-hmm. where now I met Dr. Lucy Ochola who was working on malaria which is something that I've already now figured it's something I want to do based on my work at Camry mm-hmm. so just meeting her and also the interactions that we have the conversations also a sort of over here when she's talking to other um scientists or during presentations and you're seeing this very strong women who have worked really hard to get where they are mm-hmm. they're pushing you as a student who's still trying to figure things out and they're they're letting you, you know that it's possible you need to it's not easy Mm-hmm. They have worked hard to get where they are, but it's possible and it's very inspiring and strengthening. And I had come up from that and then going to masters where I I also again met really um inspiring and intelligent women, especially in, in coding, mm-hmm. in computer programming. But we talked with Dr. Morik and Dr. Rosaline Masharia mm-hmm. and uh, very brilliant minds and they were also very very young mm-hmm. and uh you like these are practically my age mates mm-hmm. and how their minds are working mm-hmm. uh where they are right now and uh being doctors and all these programming things very technical things mm-hmm. and they are always they were always very willing to help us to get better at what we were doing and it's the sacrifices that these female figures make that actually also deeply motivate us so like with our lectures i had mentioned about them sacrificing their time just to make sure that we got our particular aspect on a topic especially with coding or with statistics mm. they would sit there with us or maybe late into the night or on weekends they would actually offer themselves to come during the weekends to teach us especially when it comes to like, things that they thought that we were struggling with mm. and just having ladies that knew the struggles that we were facing because with Dr. Morik and Dr. Rosalyn they had gone through the entire program mm. in Sebib so them knowing the experience that they went to they went through and them understanding that 
this is the help that maybe these students need and them sacrificing all their time for that mm-hmm. it was very refreshing and i think uh just seeing that also just keeps motivating students to know that you can't give up you have to keep going you have to keep pushing and it's possible and you have this very strong support system mm-hmm. because back in the past we weren't people didn't have that kind of support system mm-hmm. probably they'd be looking up and all they would see would be uh men scientists male scientists mm-hmm. and very few female scientists mm-hmm. but now we're in a point where we females have actually been really empowered enough and you're seeing them in this really uh high position mm. especially in science where people in the past used to think that science was meant for guys but now we've moved into this whole new world where women are really thriving in science and it's very refreshing to see and very inspiring talk about florence angango ah my mom uh-huh. yeah i think before we even talk about all these ladies that have been so blessed to meet throughout my journey mm. the one lady that it started from is mrs florence angango mm. so mrs florence angango is a very formidable force to re- reckon with she is a very strong lady very from when i was living i've always been in all of her and the passion that she's had with her career and her work mm-hmm. so i mentioned that my mom is a teacher and she's also a principal in a high school mm-hmm. so she is very tender and motherly but she's also very strict mm-hmm. in a <laughs> in the way principals need to be but also her passions push her to go over and beyond the limit and she's very hands on so she's a person that I, I always say that to be a teacher you need to be it, it has to be a calling and you need to be very patient because you meet different students different kinds of students every day and you have to adapt you, the the skills that you're you're using to teach to each and every student mm-hmm. uniquely but still be able to teach them as a group so with my mom for a very young age I, i've always looked up to her because i've seen her grow from being a teacher young teacher and moving up into being a head of department and a deputy principal and now the principal that she is and even the work that she puts into it it's not uh it's not like she, she pulls back anything i feel like she gives her all not just for her kids her biological kids but also for her kids at school mm. you see that she would do um as much as she can to make sure that she has this hands on um approach with her students so regardless of her being a principal and having to do administrative uh duties she's mm. also going to push herself to make sure that she knows what's going on in class with her students mm. what's is there a student that needs any particular help mm. and it doesn't just have to be solely academic if there's a student struggling with something that's non-academic but would affect their academics somehow mm-hmm. she'd be there for them so she's a mother to um to everyone she's a mother of all mothers and her being a firstborn and actually taking care of her siblings mm-hmm. just seeing all that the responsibility in her and also her not in want 
not wanting anything in return just giving and giving constantly and being passionate about it and i had talked about how how excited she gets when she's talking about the lesson plans that she makes mm-hmm. when she comes up with this really explorative or unconventional ways of teaching but she knows that it would spark the student's interest so with that it would ensure that the principle of the teaching sticks with the student so whenever she's making her lesson plans and then she's talking about them there's this way she she just gets so bright eyed and she would smile and she's talking about how she's going to come up with this with this thingy on the board and talk to and teach them to this sort of way and how interesting it's going to be just that kind of passion and it's that bright eyedness that made me want to like want my career to be something that I would be that passionate about mm-hmm. that would get me so bright eyed as much as she does with her work and I think I said that I might have landed there based on how bright eyed I get when I'm talking about mosquitoes mm-hmm. you know I could talk about mosquitoes all day and still not stop <laughs> uh, but I guess I got it from my mama mm. yeah.